sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hour number two, the morning after, starts right here on a Monday on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. From SportsGrid's West Coast Studios, a.k.a. my childhood home, we continue to react to Super Bowl 57. Kansas City Chiefs winning their second Super Bowl championship in the last four years, three Super Bowl appearances in the big game in these past four seasons as well. We'll do more of that later on in our number two. But sadly, the football season has come to a close. So our attention turns to the hardwood in hoops around the association. Up next, the fallout of the NBA trade deadline and what it sets up for the home stretch of this NBA regular season in the next big event would be the madness in the month of March that is already underway here in the month of February. We look back on the weekend in college basketball in the zone. There have been few environments better than what we saw yesterday in Evanston, Illinois, inside Welsh Ryan Arena. A completely sold-out crowd as Northwestern welcomed the number one team in the country into Evanston, the Purdue Boilermakers. And Northwestern pulls off the upset, winning outright at home as a a four-and-a-half-point underdog, 64-58, coming back in the final five minutes of regulation for the Cats' first-ever win against a number one ranked team in college basketball, handing Purdue its second loss in the last three games and Northwestern's first ever win over a top ranked team. Solidifying, and please mark my words right here, the Northwestern Wildcats will be playing in the NCAA tournament here in 2023 for just the second time in school history, the first in the past five years, dating back to 2017. And in that five-year span, Northwestern had five consecutive losing seasons. The Cats were picked 13th out of 14 Big Ten teams entering this college basketball season. Now they're tied for the second-best record in the conference alongside Indiana with a 9-5 and mark. All that being said, Purdue is the only team that has less than five losses in the Big Ten right now. And the Boilers still a very heavy odds-on favorite to win the Big Ten. 10 regular season title. The new AP poll comes out in just about two hours' time. I do not believe Purdue will be ranked atop the country anymore, yet they will probably still win the Big Ten regular season championship. Alabama should be ranked atop the country because we saw three of the top six teams this weekend go down. That was not the case, though, in ACC play, where we saw a little bit of controversy to end out a game in Charlottesville between UVA and Duke. Virginia ultimately gets the win in overtime by seven, winning as a six-point home favorite in Charlottesville. They are 11-3. They are tied for the best record in conference right now alongside Pitt. But it was a one-possession game pretty much all second half Long In the closing seconds of the game, on an inbounds play, Duke freshman Kyle Filipowski gets open, goes to the bucket, gets fouled, but the referees ruled that the foul happened after time expired, despite the ball being in the air. The ACC almost immediately on Saturday issuing this statement. 
pretty much saying, hey, the officials got it wrong. There was a foul on that play, and because the ball was in the air and the try was going up, Kyle Filipowski should have had an opportunity for Duke to go to the free throw line and win the football game at the charity, uh, the basketball game, excuse me, at the charity stripe with it tied 58 all in the closing seconds of regulation. Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after the weekend review in the zone right now around the country in college basketball. I'm Ben Stevens, Sirius XM, Channel 159, all of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. Let's run through what we saw this weekend in college hoops. Three of the top six teams going down, including number one in the country yesterday, Purdue. That also included Arizona on the road in Palo Alto against Stanford. The Cardinal winning big as a seven and a half point underdog at home outright 88-79. Arizona had won seven straight entering covering in four straight entering not the case against the Stanford Cardinal who all five starters scored in double figures UCLA remains a heavy odds-on favorite to win the conference despite the fact they only sit a game and a half ahead of Arizona and the Cats have that tiebreaker at the moment but the Bruins and the Wildcats will end out the year against one another in the final regular season game in the Pac-12 but right now the Bruins a minus 700 favorite they go on the road to Eugene beat the Ducks over the weekend if you're looking for a team that has bounced back in Big East play that's the Creighton Blue Jays right now CU has won eight straight in a top 25 tilt on Saturday afternoon in Omaha they get the better of UConn, 56-53, not covering, though, as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. This Creighton team had one of the best 10 prices to win a national championship before the year got underway. They started off 6-0. Then they lost six straight games. They started just 3-3 three and three in Big East play. Now they're 11-3, riding this eight-game win streak, only a half game behind Marquette for that top spot in the Big East standings as we now go from men's college hoops to women's college basketball only two remaining unbeaten teams in the sport facing off yesterday ahead of Super Bowl 57 Angel Reese and LSU the reigning national title winners and the national player of the year in Aaliyah Boston and South Carolina the Gamecocks showing why they're the most dominant team in all of college hoops 60 and 2 is their record the last two years now a heavy odds on favorite to win the national championship to the association we go next on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It is time to go around the association live right here on this Monday to start off a new week on the morning after on Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens, one of the brightest basketball minds that we have here on the Spiz Grizz Network, the curator of vibes at all times. <laughs> it is our producer here on TMA, John Shames, back in New York City following his time on Radio Row, live there in Phoenix, Arizona as well. VC, John Shames, how's it going, my friend? Yo, what up, my boy? The vibes are high. Vibe curation nation here on a Monday post-Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs got the dub. I know you're rooting for it, Ben. I was rooting for you because that's what friends do. You know, we root for each other. So that's, you know, the, the vibes are good here. What, what, what can I say, man? I'm sitting in your seat. What a good Monday it is. But the last time we heard from you, John James, live right here on the Sports Grid Network, you are in the producer's pit 
in Super Bowl Media Center, and you picked the Philadelphia Eagles to win. So I can't say necessarily I was rooting for you, but your dear friend and roommate, Andrew Quigley, certainly a big Birds backer. And I apologize to Quigs here on this Monday morning as well. We were making friends. We were networking a ton out there in the desert. That includes with NBA Insider, a man that works for FanDuel as well, Sham Sharania. We met him on Friday night at the FanDuel Super Bowl party, and he was breaking some news entering Super Bowl 57 yesterday, Jonathan, saying that Zion Williamson, who has been sidelined for the New Orleans Pelicans. Hold on. We'll get to the breaking news in a second because this is even bigger <laughs> breaking news. Here Come it is. On. James and Sean at the Super Bowl party for FanDuel <laughs> on Friday night. A couple of good-looking gents with finely manicured beers, beards, if I do say so myself. Thank you. Yeah, listen, Shams, we had a moment, man, when he saw that jacket that I debuted for the first time, which you can't see in that picture because it's zoomed in a little bit. That's okay, though. When he saw that jacket and he looked at me in my eye, I felt like our souls connected, and he said, where'd you get that? And I said, brother, TJ Maxx. And from there, it was smooth sailing for me and Shams. Best friends, Shams and Shames, meant to be a duo. I couldn't be happier. Ben, coolest person I met when I was out there. The Killers were playing a concert at the FanDuel party on Friday night. Shams was heading out before the concert came to a close as Mr. Brightside was live on the stage. Brandon <laughs> Flowers of the Killers, the front man, absolutely slaying it. I go, Shams, what are you doing leaving right now? He goes, I don't really know what this song is because my man is always in the thick of breaking <laughs> NBA news, including, like I was mentioning, what he did yesterday afternoon. Zion Williamson for New Orleans, who has been sidelined since early January, Shames. It will be difficult to not say Shames and Shams at the same time here. Shames, he has been sidelined since early January. Further reporting from Shams that he re-aggravated that hamstring injury and is set now to miss additional time even following a few weeks after the All-Star break. Shames, this has really been the sad story of Zion Williams' young NBA career. He has missed so much time off of the floor. How do you react to this news? Now he is missing additional weeks for the Pelicans. Yeah, so I do have some concerns right now for the Pelicans this season and being able to hang around. They're sitting really towards the bottom of that Western Conference playoff race right now. So we're going to see if they can hang on without Zion. Of course, getting Brandon Ingram back is huge. And don't forget the Pelicans just traded for Josh Richardson as well. A nice piece, in my opinion. Good depth on the wing and can be a playmaker, create his own shot. So we'll probably lean on him as well over these next couple weeks. But I do have some concerns, really, as you look long-term at Zion here. Can this frame support this type of play on a consistent basis and give this guy a long career? You know, a hamstring injury is nothing to mess around with. We've seen a bunch of times now, I'm thinking back to James Harden last season, how much that hamstring injury just hung around. And you hate to see Zion, a guy who relies on explosivity, which is a function of the hamstring to deal with this type of, uh, you know, long-term issue. So uh, I'm rooting for Zion to be able to get back. I think if you're the Pelicans, I know everyone's excited for them this year and the potential to make a playoff run. I think you got to look long-term. Do not bring Zion back too early. I don't know if that was the case last time, and that's why he re-aggravated this injury. But you got to play this one safe if you are New Orleans, in my opinion. When you look at Zion Williamson, one of the last times we saw him on the floor, Shames, right before we got to the new year in 2023, he put up 43 points single-handedly bringing New Orleans back in a victory against the Minnesota Timberwolves. With Zion 
or prior to this Zion injury, I should say, the Pels were 23 and 14. They were 23 and 13 on New Year's Day. They have lost five, or they are five and 16 in their last 21 games, sitting now at 29 and 28, just a game above 500 in that seven spot, Shames, when you look at the Western Conference standings. All right, here we are, just a few days out from the trade deadline coming to a close around the association. And Shane's still at the top of the Western Conference. That would be the Denver Nuggets. The Nugs on the road tonight in South Beach against the Miami Heat. How do you evaluate Denver, given all that we have seen, Shames, in the Western Conference with Kyrie going to Dallas and Kevin Durant going to Phoenix? The Nugs still the top team in the conference. Yeah, record-wise, they are the top team. When you look at the season-long outlook from a futures perspective, right, which, as you always say, Ben, is a postseason market, I think Denver still finds themselves in the top two to three in the conference. I think everyone is looking at Phoenix right now, and rightfully so, adding one of the three best players in the NBA in his prime now to a team that was just you know uh, close to winning the NBA finals a couple seasons ago had a tragic collapse last year but you add a guy who can average 32 points a game into the mix there I mean it's a different story Denver I think sits at that number two spot for me when I look at the West because they are proven Jokic playing so well they have some postseason success under their belt as well and then you go down the list I'm not sure how I feel about the Kings right now I do think they are maybe more legit than they're being given credit for but I don't I'm not going to bank on them winning a series. Memphis, I think, could be in danger of falling down the standings a bit. And then you, you're looking at a team like the LA Clippers, right, who are adding, potentially adding Russell Westbrook after buying, or after trading Reggie Jackson, rather. So going to be shoring up that point guard depth, cutting John Wall as well. I think really when you look at the West right now, Ben, New Orleans still might be that third best team when healthy. Of course, Dallas mm. really making the biggest name addition, let's say, outside of Kevin Durant in adding Kyrie Irving. But let's look at the fabric of that team. This is already an offensive juggernaut that plays through Luka Doncic and his high usage rate, a team that struggles defensively. And, you know, Kyrie is not coming to town and helping them up shore up that defensive line. So that's kind of what I'm worried about for Dallas is, is that the fit that they really needed? I'm still kind of shaky on them. I would still say New Orleans is probably within that top three to four teams with Phoenix and Denver being the clear one and two right now in my eyes. The Nuggets are going to run away with the top seed in the Western Conference playoffs. They have a four-and-a-half game lead over the West of the Western Conference that is very jumbled right now when you look from four all the way down to the third-worst record in the West, which would be the L.A. Lakers. Speaking of those Dallas Mavericks, the second game with both Kyrie and Luka on the floor tonight in Dallas against the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Mavs a short home favorite. James, you mentioned some of the concerns you have about pairing two offensive juggernauts together in the backcourt for this new Dallas duo, but maybe what they lack defensively. How do you evaluate the fit with Kyrie and Luka on the floor at the same time for the Mavericks? I think you're going to see a lot of ego management, you know, on being undertaken by Jason Kidd on that coaching staff. And I think the question everyone has is in the last few minutes of the game, who has the ball in their hands? You go back to their first game that they played together, Kyrie and Luka, an overtime loss to the Kings. So here we are with two of the supposed best closers in the game, getting taken down by De'Aaron Fox, having himself a big overtime. When I look at Dallas right now, I think there is a lot of potential for that to be a nice one-two punch 
right? Maybe even a little pick and roll with Luka Doncic as a screener and maybe Kyrie Irving as the screener and popping out for his look on the wing there. I think, you know, we're going to see Dallas try and get creative. We're going to see how Christian Wood factors into the mix here. But I think ultimately it's going to be a matter of sharing the touches and being able to kind of go back and forth like we've seen Kyrie do in the past with Kevin Durant, with LeBron James. In that sense, it's a good fit, but I'm still waiting with bated breath on that defense, Ben. Not not far away from where John Shames currently sits right now at the world's most famous arena inside Madison Square Garden. It's the Borough Battle between the new look Brooklyn Nets and the New York Knicks. Right now, Shamesy the Knickerbockers, a three-point home favorite inside MSG. Both of these teams from New York contending for Eastern Conference playoff spots. We'll look at that game and plenty more around the association from the prop perspective up next. Tom SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning. Live right here on this Monday on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 1. 59 joining us now to start off a new week as always it is the jack of all trades and boy do we need it at this point of the sports calendar the prop perspective with fan duels tom vecchio tom thank you so much for taking the time to join us on this we'll continue to react to super bowl 57 and now tom people need the plays for around the association in the nba this monday evening and maybe even something on the ice not long from now we'll be breaking down home run props with the home run prop king. So, Tom, we appreciate your time and insight as always. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's an interesting time of the year. We're, we're coming off of the biggest game of the year uh, for the NFL. It's obviously a bit of a, a transition period for sports. We have March Madness right around the corner. Uh, and then before you know it, we're going to have baseball season, like you said, getting into some home run props. So I'm ready to go. So, Vecchio, as we go back to last night, let's reflect on Super Bowl 57, where the total sailed over. You would assume the offensive props would do the same. For Philly, sure. For Patrick Mahomes and the Super Bowl MVP, not exactly. Under his passing yards prop of 292.5, only finishing with 182. Did have three passing touchdowns, though, and used those legs and the banged-up right ankle with the high ankle sprain and still ran for 44 yards. On the other side, Tom Vecchio, Jalen Hurts was absolutely sensational. 27 to 38, 304 yards, a touchdown pass, 15 carries, 70 rushing yards, three rushing scores, tying a Super Bowl record. Tom, how will you remember Super Bowl 57 from that prop perspective? Uh, yeah, it was awesome. And like you said, Hertz kind of stole the show and you could say he was the MVP of the game, kind of regardless of the outcome, just based on what he did. Um, you know, Mahomes is obviously unbelievable. And, you know, I was on some Mahomes over props with over on passing attempts is a spot that I, you know, have gone for a majority of the season and he got hurt. I don't want to say that was a direct indication or like directly correlated with him not hitting the over, but there was obviously other factors involved. Um, the Chiefs are awesome. We all know this. They were going to like be in the mix at the end. Um, it was a great game. I didn't love the ending, despite the fact that I was on the Chiefs. I didn't love how the yeah. game ended. But, uh, you know, I tweeted out about uh, Travis Kelsey first half and second half touchdowns, you know, getting him at plus 210, plus 200, rather than laying minus 115, which is, I think is a really interesting angle I'll be looking to attack next season. 
Pecchio, you mentioned that on our last show together on the morning after before we headed out to Phoenix, Arizona. And sure enough, Travis Kelsey scoring his 10th touchdown in the last 10 playoff games for Kansas City has found the end zone in six consecutive games, did score in the opening half. In fact, the opening offensive drive for Kansas City. Minus 115 anytime touchdown price. It was the best number on the board, but some plus money to bet it in the first half, which Tom Vecchio did. Super Bowl MVP honors, though, going to the quarterback, of course, in Patrick Mahomes, the 11th quarterback of the last 16 Super Bowl MVPs to win this award. Efficient, maybe not prolific, but still Vecchio making the plays like Mahomes does with that Mahomes magic each and every step of the game, certainly on the biggest stages in that second half as KC scored on all four of their second half offensive possessions. He is one of the co-favorites, Vecchio, for next year in 2023 to win the NFL MVP for a second straight year. The Chiefs are the favorites right now to win Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas as well. Tom, when you look at this Kansas City team How do you project out next season of this maybe budding dynasty for that Chiefs organization? Yeah, I would go ahead and call them a dynasty already. And, you know, last offseason, the story was them losing Tyreek Hill. And this offseason, I think, you know, I'm never going to count them out. I'm never going to doubt what they can do, what Andy Reid can do. I think it's going to be very simple for them this season. It's going to be about refining things. You know, no major overhauls, uh, you know, refining things, adding a few pieces here or there that that are going to keep them in the mix to be, one of, if not the top team in the league. So still very high on the Chiefs long-term. As long as Patrick Mahomes has the ball, they're going to have a shot to win. Absolutely so. Five years as the starting quarterback for KC. They have reached the Super Bowl three times. They've won at least 12 regular season games all five years, hosting the AFC title game in all five of those seasons as well. That's a little bit down the road, though, to cash that Super Bowl 58 ticket, to cash the NBA Finals ticket for this year in the association. Tom, a little bit more coming up in this near future time. And we were in Phoenix last week, scouring the streets of downtown Phoenix, Arizona, trying to find Kevin Durant upon his arrival as a new Phoenix Sun. They vault up the board, Vecchio, after the trade deadline. Now the best price of any team from the Western Conference to win the NBA championship this year, but still behind two teams from the East, the Celtics, who have the league's best record, and the Bucs, who are the league's hottest team, and the second best price to win the NBA championship. So, Tom, as we all start to dive in even deeper into the NBA, how do you evaluate these championship odds following the NBA trade deadline this past week? Well, the first few odds that we're seeing there, Celtics, Bucks, Suns, I think all of those, the, the value is lost on them based on the numbers that they're at right now. I think the Nuggets at plus 750 are interesting. I also think the 76ers at plus 1,400 are rather interesting just based on how big that number is. And I think a lot of it can come down to how the standings end in the East where, you know, depending on how the bracket shakes out, where if the 76ers can kind of dodge the Celtics and the Bucks in terms of their seeding, it could put them on a path to, you know, face one of the, those teams in the conference finals rather than having to face them in the second round, again, depending on like the one, four, two, three, like seedings, all these type of things. So the 76ers are the third best team in the East. And if we can get that big of a number on them compared to the number one and the number two odds, I think that's a, a rather interesting angle to approach. Again, can they get the, the right seeding to kind of dodge those teams and put them in an easier matchup is, is a spot that I'm going to keep my eye on. 
Certainly, the seeding in the Western Conference is going to be a fascinating breakdown where the Dallas Mavericks right now are contending to maybe host a playoff series at the end of this year. They did lose, though, in the first game with both Kyrie and Luka on the floor at the same time. In overtime, 133-128 over the weekend against the Sacramento Kings, who still have the third-best record, by the way, in the Western Conference. Tonight, it's Kyrie and Luka once again, Tom Vecchio as the Mavericks host, the Minnesota Timberwolves. With both of these guys now, both very ball-dependent, fitting in the same backcourt, Vecchio, how will you evaluate the props for Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving as they share the floor together in Dallas? Well, initially, I'm going to be a little bit hesitant when it comes to scoring props for both of those players, three-point props. I'll be a little bit hesitant because it's it could be just, you know, whoever has the hot hand that night, that they get the ball a little bit more, and we kind of have to – wait for things to shake out, you know, iron out the details until they get a, a clear rhythm, a, a clear look at their usage. Uh, tonight's game, uh, the angle that I'm taking is going to be Luca over eight and a half rebounding at minus one of eight. Um, he's been a little bit up and down. You know, we can't take the one game sample size versus the Kings. I think this is more about the matchup and the fact that Rudy Gobert is on the other side where Luca has shown at times, you know, he can push to 12, 14, 15 rebounds. And I think because this matchup, you know, especially because they're a little bit shorthanded when it comes to size, like there's still no Maxi Cleveland. Like this is a spot where Luca should chip in a little bit more when it comes to rebounding the ball, not to mention the fact that Minnesota, they're allowing the third most rebounds per game to opposing point guards. So instead of props, I'm going to look for Luca to contribute in another way. And it's going to be chipping in with those rebounds, grabbing a few here more because he needs to do a little bit more against, you know, a tough matchup and go bear. The Mavericks, a seven and a half point favorite against the Timberwolves tonight in Dallas. Kyrie Irving's points prop, 25 and a half. Without Luca, it was 27 and a half. Luka Doncic still north of 30 at 32 and a hook. But again, Kyrie Irving now in the backcourt. Kyrie had 28 in his debut with Luka on the floor. Doncic finishing with 27 points. A new looking Eastern Conference as well, Tom Vecchio, with Kyrie Irving leaving Brooklyn and going to Dallas. These new look Nets, though, stole the fifth best record in the Eastern Conference, a three-point underdog slightly on the road inside Madison Square Garden tonight. Tom Vecchio, what's the approach from the prop perspective for the Knicks and the Nets? Uh, that would be ultimately siding with the Knicks. The Nets have won nine straight games against the Knicks. or uh, It's up there. It's, it's eight or nine straight games against the Knicks, and I, I certainly expect the Knicks to bounce back. They have far more consistently uh, consistency when it comes to the offensive end of things, just because this is a new look Nets lineup. And I think that going to Jalen Brunson to kind of control the offense is the spot that I like. Nets are going over eight, uh, eight assists per game to opposing point guards and Jalen Brunson's props at five and a half minus one twenty two on the over. That's ultimately the spot that I'll be going. Uh, the Nets are certainly in an interesting spot because this is not a bad team. They certainly have a lot of good players. They have a lot of good defensive defensive players, especially with Nick Claxton down low. So I expect more of a, point guard guard heavy game from the Knicks rather than feeding the ball to Julius Randle down low when you look at the new look Nets it's a team that Cam Thomas is going to factor in Spencer Dinwiddie Dorian Finney-Smith it will be a different approach from that prop market now for Brooklyn and how do we view the Nets moving forward the rest of this NBA regular season Tom Vecchio we have not seen LeBron James on the court since he broke the NBA's all-time scoring record, becoming the top of that list in making history. But he's averaging 30 points per game this season. He's going up against the guy potentially tonight in Portland and the uh, Trailblazers and Damian Lillard, who's averaging 31 points per game, the fourth best scoring mark in the NBA. 
all year long, Vecchio, because there's been the injuries to AD and it's just Damian Lillard in Portland. These guys have had to uh, really carry the lion's share of that scoring production. How do you put that into perspective when you look at their props from that scoring perspective? Well, I absolutely love Lillard. I'm always going to be taking overs on him when it comes to points or three-pointers. And I think specifically tonight, I'm liking the points plus assist over 43 and a half. And, you know, I want to look back to the game against Minnesota when he went for 11 three-pointers. You're going to say, why does that matter? Well, because he was defended by D'Angelo Russell in this game, who's now the starting point guard for the Lakers. And if Lillard's going to be carrying this 40-point upside, I think that looking to him for, you know, 43 and a half over points and assists is a spot to look, considering we have a 238 over-under and a close two-point spread tonight. Damon scored 30 or more points in eight of the last 10 for the Blazers. You also saw Cody Glass to record a point tonight. That's on the ice. That's because Tom Vecchio is the jack of all trades from FanDuel. Tom, we appreciate your time as always. More of the morning app. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We picked up in Phoenix from Super Bowl 57. Dave Sherapan, you look fantastic on this Monday morning. Thank you for joining us as always. Thank you, Benjamin. You look uh, you look great as well. Good to know you went back to L.A., Get a little family time in. Um, exactly. That's a good thing. The trip to Vegas was uh, was fast. I don't know how your mm. how was your trip back to L.A. Easy, fifty five minutes up and down in the air for fifty five minutes. Ooh. Took a nap the entire time. Smooth sailing. Mother picked me up from the airport. Shout out to Lynn Stevens. It's been great to be back here. By the way, she had some awesome. spread yesterday at our Super Bowl party here inside the Stevens household. Wow! Did you do blocks and everything? We did do blocks. I had a very profitable day from my bets for Super Bowl 57 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Gave out the pick six on the early line to end out last week live on Radio Row. I played four of those six, all four hit. A little uh, no sweat, same game parlay as well that hit Sherapan. It was a big day for Ben Stevens to end out this football season, which is rather bittersweet on this Monday morning, huh? Yeah, but the people had a big day as well. They're, I mean, a game ends 38-35 like that, you know, barring the call at the end that may have been holding. The guy said it was holding and all that other stuff, but the all the props go over. I mean, there was almost, other than the Mahomes passing yards prop, I really can't think of too many prominent players that didn't go over their props. So yeah. uh, it's an entertaining game. I, I, I really – I enjoyed the game, the back and forth, um, <laughs> the continual uh, green check marks on the Twitter that, you know, people were hitting this, people were hitting that. Even the game tied after 0-0. There were so many props that I was thinking, whew, I'm glad I'm not grading those right now because uh, there's a lot of <laughs> probably red numbers for the book. Yeah. Sherpan, as we look at the overall game odds, we saw some slight movement on Sunday morning, game day, entering Super Bowl 57 in terms of those money line prices. But for the most part, Philly closes as a point and a half favorite, minus 118 on that money line. Just the 12th time in Patrick Mahomes' career as a starting quarterback, his Chiefs have been booked as an underdog, and the total was on the rise prior to kick, closing at 51 and a half. It did not matter, sailing over with a 38 to 35 
final. Sheriff Penn, as you were evaluating the odds all Super Bowl week long and talking to your friends inside those risk rooms, do they think Super Bowl 57 played out as expected? Yeah, there were a couple guys yesterday that were sweating the total pretty good. They couldn't get a bet on the uh they couldn't get a bet on the under. You know, I, I walked into the uh, I walked into the Westgate right from the road in Arizona, and they went to fifty two to just go get some under money. So, um, it played out. I mean, I don't know if you can say that a shootout decided, you know, with a, a field goal with less than ten seconds to go, was the way everybody had it played out. But a back and forth game, um, you know, a, a higher scoring game. And Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts winning the MVP was pretty much what everybody down in media row played yeah. out. And I, I think guys in risk rooms also, that was a big favorite to happen. Yeah. Chairman, you mentioned the fact that a lot of props, of course, so many props for the one individual matchup that is a Super Bowl. And for the most part, given the fact there were 73 combined points, all of those offensive props going over, except for yeah. home staying under his passing yards prop, Miles Sanders under his rushing yards prop, Kelsey went over his receiving yards prop, but slightly under his total receptions prop. With all of the options we have in the prop market share pan for a Super Bowl like we saw yesterday between the Birds, the Chiefs. What is your main takeaway going to be as we react to everything we saw in Super Bowl 57? Oh, I think it was, I, I mean, there was a lot of fun uh, involved in that. There was just a lot of, uh, I think, you know, the natural inclination is, is you know, for a lot of the rhombuses and parallelograms that I talked to them, and they love to bet the unders. This one hurt them. You know, yep. this one hurt the books. Uh, there was just a lot of um, a lot of offense. This is the league now, and there weren't a lot of penalties. So you can't even blame the officials for throwing too many flags to result in points. It was just it was the way the game's played. It, it, the NFL is a different game now when it's played like that. So yeah. I think the takeaway is um, maybe start the numbers a little bit higher, depending on the matchup, and then be careful and cautious of the uh, of the natural grass that's supposed to be the best grass ever. And you watch everybody slipping and sliding like it's ice back east. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was terrible. It's the second time we have seen a really large game in the last five, six, seven years in football inside State Farm Stadium. We saw it at the end of the BCS era in college football between Auburn and Oregon. We saw it yesterday in Super Bowl 57. In the biggest game with the wealthiest sports product in all of the sporting stage on a global perspective, to have that be your playing surface? Come on now. Figure yeah. it out. Share pen. Like we saw, the total on the rise prior to kick, closing at 51 and a half. It sailed over that number. The second highest scoring Super Bowl in the last decade. But entering yesterday between Philly and KC, Dave, we saw four straight unders of their pregame number in a yep. Super Bowl matchup. So how do you describe, for the common sports better out there, the idea of trends year to year for games that really are individual matchups that don't really have a ton to do with one another? Um, I have a saying that I use uh, trends are your friends until they're not, I don't even, the, the book guys don't look at the trends. I know that, 
So I never really looked at the trends. They're interesting conversation points. And God knows we all need conversation points when we're down there media week and it gets to Friday and we need something to talk about. So, you know, there's probably not one that we didn't hear while we were down there. But, yeah, I mean, you saw the graphic over total, over the first half total, Eagles team total, everything went over, Chiefs team total over. Um, It was just one of those things that it just, you know, the, the points mean overs and over in props. And uh, you better better be cautious. I used to love the bet unders. I don't really like the bet unders in the NFL anymore because it's a it's just a different game. And again, it wasn't because of the officials. The the, the Eagles prove you can be a running team and yep. score points. Yet the Chiefs, when they needed to really get the offense going, did it through the ground. Right, like that's. So I think maybe, you know, going forward, we got to really maybe not underestimate running teams. That would be one takeaway. Isaiah Pacheco, a huge day. The rookie running back out of Rutgers for Kansas City (laughs) over his rushing yards prop and closing 47 and a half. He finished with 76. Even on the bum ankle, Patrick Mahomes gives the Chiefs 44 yards on the ground, including the 20 three-yard or 26-yard scamper that set up that great field position late on that final offensive drive of the game. All of this knowledge, Dave Sherapan, we will take with us to the next National Football League season in 2023. And the Super Bowl will be coming to your neck of the woods. No, not nighttime in Pittsburgh, but in Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58. Sherapan, as we about to look at the odds, of course, we're going to follow all the offseason storylines that will move that market one way or the other. A team that might see their price cut drastically shorter could potentially be the New York Jets. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Because Aaron Rodgers is about to enter that darkness retreat over these next (laughs) couple of days. He does that today. He will use the time in isolation to decide his future in the National Football League. As ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported yesterday, the Jets have already inquired with the Packers organization about trading for Aaron Rodgers. Sherapan, we spoke with NFL insider for the score, Jordan Schultz, myself and Kevin did on Friday afternoon on Radio Row. He said he would favor both the Raiders and the Jets to be the landing spot for Aaron Rodgers, even ahead of the Green Bay Packers. So, Dave, as we look at the Super Bowl 58 odds, how will you use all of these offseason storylines and how do the odds makers use them to fluctuate these prices for next year in the National Football League? Uh, this, this is pretty simple. You put up the teams that finished in the Super Bowl as uh, favorites. You know, you pick the team that won and make them the favorite. Then the co-favorite is either Eagles or Niners, and you see the numbers there. The Bills are always up there. Buffalo, boy, they're going to get there. Someday they they are going to get there. And then, of course, the Bengals. Those are pretty easy. It's the teams after that that you have to start really looking. And, uh, you know, me and Peralt had on Adam Hill, who's the beat writer here in Vegas, and he insists that um, Aaron Rodgers is coming here, even after Mm. sitting in the dark for four days. Which, by the way, I think would be a fantastic experiment. I would love to go sit in the dark somewhere for for a day or two at least without a phone and try to figure out my future i i would love to actually do that that would that that sounds like a really freeing type uh type thing so 
I don't know where he's going to go, but it's going to move right. the number. And the speculation when he comes out of the darkness is going to move the number. We saw what it did last year to Denver. Yep. So people are going to bet it. And people fell into the Eagles' futures this past year on maybe somebody going there to be the quarterback, and it turns out they lucked out and got there with the Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts. So, Sherapan, you see right there on your screen, and we showed it right there, the Lions and the mm -hmm. Jags. Yes, the Lions and the Jags tied for the ninth <laughs> best price to win Super Bowl 58 at 25-1. to 1. The Jets also have that same number, just barely missing out on this graphic because of space constraints that we have in our graphic yes. producer, Jesse Metzger, of course, doing a great job. I wouldn't say, by the way, the Eagles lucked out with Jalen Hurts. I think he's the future of the quarterback position. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, the betters did. The betters did yes, because they gotcha. were betting They gotcha. were betting it that he wasn't going to be there. I had two guys tell right. me that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good, good. Thank you for the clarification. Very well done. I'm, I hope one day you get to go on a darkness retreat. I'm not sure how the Sherapan family would feel about that, but you never know what happens in the Consig household. Yeah. All right, Dave, now we turn our attention, for the most part, to basketball. While we were oh, in excellent. Phoenix together, Kevin Durant was traded to the Suns. We saw yeah. so much from the trade deadline. I think we have a hat change. There it is. The headband man, Dave Sherapan. So, Dave, the how do you evaluate we talk all of the odds yeah. that have changed since the trade deadline where the attention is now going to be in the NBA? Well, this KD news, I mean, we were down in the Valley of the Sun when the KD news hit in the middle of the night, woke up, and he's a son. Um, and even Shames like the City Connect stuff that I was wearing. I, I've been a big Suns fan my whole life. I mean, going wow. back to, to, to way back in the day. Yes. So between KJ and Barkley and, and, and stuff, you got to make the Suns the favorite, I think. I, I would argue that them and the Nuggets there, that makes sense. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's basketball season official. Basketball as well, Benjamin. Cool. Some college hoops to end out the show. Dan Majorly, who, of course, Dave loves as a former Phoenix Sun. Great basketball player. Not a great restaurant. Four in the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out these two hours together here, live on this Monday, on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel one. 59 all across the Spiz Grizz network. That is Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. It is bittersweet on this Monday as we react to everything that happened in Super Bowl 57 and the Kansas City Chiefs on top of the National Football League once again, reigning supreme for their second Lombardi trophy in the last four years. That as the Super Bowl, with as momentous as it was, comes to a close, so too does another football season. That's sad, but maybe it's sweet moving forward as we get to focus on other sports, the NBA, and for me, college basketball. That's what we do on this Big Monday before we round out the show, before we say farewell, and before we say goodbye. It's time for another college basketball best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. Now, a couple of weeks ago, here on this very program, we had on our good friend, a great college basketball mind in Tyler Aki. And as he was breaking things down, he highlighted the big 
Monday slate, a 48-hour turnaround from the Saturday schedule in college basketball for these premier teams to try to figure out what went wrong or what went right over the weekend and plan another game on a Monday evening, which so favors the home team that doesn't have to travel in conference play. You got to lay the number with the favorites. That's what we do tonight at home. The Baylor Bears, who started off in the Big 12, winless 0-3, have won eight of their last nine games in conference, and in their last four games booked as a favorite, they have covered in all four consecutively in that span. Baylor laying six and a half tonight at home against West Virginia. I'm back in the Bears and laying the number with the home team because we have seen home court advantage be paramount this year in college basketball. So that does it for me this week. As you can tell, I'm here in the West Coast studios of SportsGrid, a.k.a. my parents' home, my childhood home, I'm spending some time with the family. Don't worry. You don't have to see this set anymore. Congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs. Shout out to everybody holding it down over the next few days, live right here on the morning app. Dubs Anderson will be here tomorrow, a Tuesday on TMA. Starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.